a theater near you, it's The Equalizers, a weekly podcast in which two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Knoll, and I am joined, as always, by the sequel to my prequel, Madison Jones. Madison, are you in good form? I'm in pretty good form. Um, hey, Mike, I have a question. What's your daemon? Well, Madison, first of all, it's pronounced demon. Did you even watch the movie, bro? I, I did. I did watch the very wonderful movie. It, mm-hmm. it was it was great. <laughs> I would say my demon. Well, I took the the Patronus quiz on Pottermore, the website where you and they have and I got an Impala. It's like a male deer, like very um, lean, kind of like antelope type thing. And I found several websites that would tell you what your Patronus meant. Oh, you got an otter. This is what it means. None of them had the Impala on that list. So I'm unlistable. The Patronus that I got on Pottermore was a hedgehog, a little little hedgehog. Really? Yeah. Um, which fits me in so many ways. Yeah. Um, one, I, uh, listeners, you can't see me, but I just have spikes all over my body. Yeah. Spike, like little spikes of hair all over my body. And I'm have a little uh black nose and some beady black eyes and you've got what yeah six penises on your belly and i have six penises on my belly that contract into myself and then come out when i need to use them isn't that that's we found out that's what hedgehogs right it was six penises on their stomach what was the thing i I don't think it's actually six penises i think it's just one dick is it nipples i think so so heads up for listeners uh, last week, as we're recording this, we recorded two episodes with a special guest, uh, one of which was their pitch for a sequel to a movie, the second of which was a head-to-head where Madison and I pitched our ideas for Into the Woods 2, and the guest judged which pitch they thought was the better pitch uh, due to some poor bookkeeping on my part, and then a massive brain fart, I lost all the audio for my portion of it, and... After Madison and I talked about it for a little bit, we decided that the best plan would be we're going. He and I will re-record that episode at a later date uh, with those pitches, and they it will see the light of day eventually. Um, but we did a bad. We we did a bad guys. I yeah I we we no we we're a team Mike. We did it together. All right. Yeah. We we pooped we, the bed on this one. Um, we fucked. We fucked the bed. <laughs> Um. (laughs) so at the end of that recording session though i issued the first ever equalizers challenge to madison here on the equalizers every so often we will challenge each other to create a prequel or a sequel to a movie uh, usually it's going to be one that we think will be difficult. Uh, it's basically a way for us to be huge dicks to each other for your benefit. And so at the end of last week's episode, suspecting that Madison had never seen this movie or read any of the books that it's based off of, I challenged him to create a sequel to the movie The Golden Compass with one uh, restriction. It had to be t- subtitled The Subtle Knife, which is the name of the sequel to the Philip Pullman book, The Golden Compass. 
So we're bringing you that today. Madison is going to pitch Solo, uh, his movie, The Subtle Knife. Before that, I want to give just a brief, brief summary of the first movie and what I got out of it. Because mm. um, honestly, guys, it's kind of hard to follow. I never read the books myself, and I kind of zoned in and out. <laughs> so this is my summary of what I saw in the first movie. It takes place in a world where people's spirits are split between their body and an animal. This animal is a companion that follows people around. Uh, for role players out there, this might you're familiar in D&D or something like that. Yeah. There's also a government entity that is this kind of church thing that seemingly has control over everything. It's very Thatcher-esque. Um, and they are trying to suppress um, all the knowledge about this thing called dust. Dust is a compound that I think, I think, has to do with these animal companions, which are called daemon, Demons? Daemons? Uh, it's demons. It is demons? Mm-hmm. Okay. I double-checked uh, the pronunciation online today. It's technically supposed to be demons. Demons, okay. Um, so in this movie, uh, James Bond is a researcher who wants to discover more and more about the big, bad government entity and he wants to discover more about this stuff called dust and the big bad government entity hates him for trying to bring anything about that to life there's a girl who is james bond's niece and uh she independently from him is trying to solve this mystery about where all these missing kids are going uh her name's lyra her name is lyra um lyra bond (laughs) blah 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 there's a polar bear trying to find his clothes. Nicole Kidman is in this movie, and we find out that she is stealing these kids, and she's trying to steal the dust of the animal companion soul. Daniel Craig goes somewhere. This is a very good synopsis, Madison. Blah, blah, blah. Kid, polar bear, along with Eva Green and Sam Elliott, beat the big bad government, find the kids, and then they go on a search for Daniel Craig who is the girl's dad, apparently. And wow. also Nicole Kidman's the mom. That's my summary. It's almost like you just looked at IMDb to see who was in this movie and then just kind of pieced together vague clues. I think I got most of it. I, that, that was that was basically the movie, guys. All right. So after that extremely insightful summary, it's time for okay. time to time to stop mess, you know, messing around. It's time to get to the... Time to take it to the streets yep so time to risk it to get the biscuit time to daniel the craig oh that's good uh <laughs> so this is my sequel mm-hmm. this, this golden compass to the subtle knife golden compass to the subtle knife okay so in my sequel the government has developed a more advanced and super efficient way to separate people from their daemons Mm-hmm. They're demons. Nicole Kidman is at the front of this line. She wants to also recover Lyra because it's her daughter from the first movie and bring her home. She thinks as long as she can get Lyra back, everyone else can die. <laughs> you know, she doesn't care. Through this process of separating people from their demons, it has this effect on adults that t- makes them less sympathetic 
and more an, and a more obedient populace, which is what the government entity wants. They don't want people questioning their judgment seemingly or kind of overthinking or looking into things that they don't want them to look at. So I think this invention that they make that separates the people from their demons is a beetle, a golden beetle a la those spy fly things mm-hmm. from the first movie that latches. You so accurately talked about in your summary. Yes. Uh, I think they look like the spy fly things from the first movie, um, mm-hmm. and they latch on the back of people's necks, um, mm-hmm. and it separates them from their from their demon. It doesn't kill the demon. It actually makes the demon revert back to its representative animal state and is now a panther becomes a panther, or a bird is just a bird now. Oh, so they're no longer like a familiar they are just an animal exactly hmm. yeah so all these people who have uh volu- a lot of these pe- they're soldiers and the government soldiers uh who volunteered to have this done to them to separate themselves from their demon are called the dusted okay the dusted sure so we see this kind of stuff happen at the beginning of the movie. I think we come back in with mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman, maybe like a montage of them doing this and developing this. So it shows that the bad guys may have lost the battle at the end of the movie, but they're still keeping on the fight because they're mm-hmm. the big bad government entity. And just because you blow up the Death Star doesn't mean the Empire goes away, you know? You have to blow up the second Death Star. You have to blow up the second Death Star. <laughs> So Lyra and her counterparts are heading to save Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. That's where we left off in the last movie of them going north. In the middle of that, um, they are attacked by the Dusted, okay. who have planes of some sort, uh, I assume. Sure. Or another yeah, or another, another airship. Madison, real quick, can you just give me the character names for, I don't know, three of Lyra's companions? Um, there's Sam Elliott. That's not his character name. There's... <laughs> Uh, Eva Green, which not her character name, and Ian McKellen Bear. Yeah, okay, just one of their character names then. I think the bear's name is like Iocoke or something. <laughs> Iocoke. Oh, you know what? That's close. It's it's spelled like Io. See, I know it's, it's I O R E K, and it's yeah. pronounced Yorick. Apparently, I found that out watching this movie this week, like you did. Yeah, but yeah, that's, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll 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 let you have that one. Yeah, he's a polar bear that wears clothes. And so uh, this attack catches them by surprise. Mm-hmm. And they're quickly outnumbered. And they, uh, Sam Elliott's like, uh, we can't let Lyra or her demon get captured. And so uh, he... Can you do that in Sam Elliott's voice, please? We can't get... We can't let Lyra... <laughs> We, we, we can't let Lyra get captured by the duster. We can't let her, Ian McKellen Polar Bear get over here. We can't let Lyra get up. This is the new season of The Ranch on Netflix. Blast my cash. Anyway... This is the hardest I think I've ever laughed in one of our pitches. So well done. Continue. Thank you. So Sam Elliott uh-huh. instructs Ian McKellen Bear, Io Coke, 
So just real fast, for those of you playing at home who know what we're talking about, Lee Scoresby and Yorick Bernson. You don't have to remember. It's fine. I'm just for everyone else so that they at least so to show that at least one of us knows what we're talking about. Yeah. So, yes. um, so Sam, Ian, Sam, Sam McKellen Sam, and Ian Elliott. Sam Elliott and Ian McKellen Bear are there. And Sam Elliott uh, tells him to brace the kids for impact. Mm-hmm. And Sam Elliott pulls the kill switch that causes their engines to stall. And um, it makes the airship hurtle to the ground, mm-hmm. uh, going down. As this is falling, I think we cut back to Nicole Kidman, who enters a room where uh, Daniel Craig is like tied to a chair or he's chained up or something. Because uh, he was captured at the end? Uh, he was... But... They knew where he was and they were going to move on him. It was never established yeah. if they had him or not. And that's where Lyra and Lee Scoresby and Yorick Bernison. See, see, it, it's hard to say again. I, yeah, I understand. He just wasn't in the movie in the, anymore in the first one. I didn't know what exactly happened sure. to his character. So in my version, they captured him and now... Nicole Kidman and the dusted have him. He's tied to a chair. Uh, she interrogates him and tells him about the new beetle dust invention that allows people to be separated from their demons. She tries to convince him that by separating the populace from the dust, it will ultimately protect them from being invaded by the world that the dust is coming from. If I remember correctly, in the first movie, it's the dust is coming from uh, some sort of dimension city. Yeah, it's vague. Elsewhere. It's vague. Like I understand because yeah. I read the books. Like I, I pieced together the stuff that they were leaving out. But yeah, so the dust is coming in from another dimension and is involved in the demons somehow. So her logic is that if we cut off the people from their demons and dust them it uh, lessens the tie on the other world uh and is preventing that other dimension whoever they are they don't know who they are um from entering and invading and taking over again this government entity does not want to be threatened or overshadowed by anything so they're trying to control everything in the populace so they think by uh cutting the demons away is severing their tie Mm -hmm. to that possibility. James Bond doesn't believe this to be true. Um, He thinks that further linking into the dimensions will further progress, not only society, but knowledge and linking the dimensions is the only way to go here. Um, Because it's think of all the things we could learn about ourselves and why we're here and whatnot. um, If we're linked. Nicole Kidman uh, tells him that um, if he doesn't want to listen to reason willingly, then then maybe he will see the way forcibly and connects one of the beetles to the back of his neck. And it separates him from his snow leopard demon named who the fuck cares? Named uh, Uh, Q. Q? No, it's not. Q's the from James Bond. Oh, named Q. The demons have really pretty names in this. You say, like, to some extent, they're not relevant, but I just think that they have really pretty names. Well, and they were so unique that I couldn't remember. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. It's like, like, um, Nicole Kidman's character name is like Mrs. Coulter, or Miss Coulter, and Daniel Craig's is Lord Asriel. Those are, you know, fantasy names and kind of neat, but it was very, like, poetic. Almost Tolkien names for the Mm -hmm. demons. Yeah, the Lyra's is... Pantalaemon? 
Pan- yeah, it's p- Pantalemon. It was Pantlemon. Pantlemon. That's right. Uh, anyway. So yeah, Daniel Craig, <laughs> Snow Leopard, uh, Mac OS. Yeah, Mac OS uh, <laughs> is now separated from Daniel Craig mm-hmm. and is now just a Snow Leopard. Okay. And um, as soon as that happened, he eats both their faces and then runs out of the room. No, no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Uh, during this time, uh, anyone whose demons are getting separated, the dusted are capturing the demons and just storing them and keeping uh, them all away from the people that um, they are separated from. Lyra, uh, we cut back to the crew and Lyra, they awaken on uh, the crash ship that is in this uh, barren wasteland, uh, this barren snowy wasteland. All the dusted seem to have been taken out by the crash. Uh, Ian McKellen Bear was able to protect them from dying in the crash by kind of hunkering them down. I decided that at this point, someone important had to have died in the crash. And it's got to be Sam Elliott. Because now that his airship's gone, that now, now that his airship's gone, yeah. he doesn't really have anything else to offer, right? Like it's kind of it's it's his. I mean that smooth it's part of his voice. Character, and it's kind of the only useful thing he's bringing. To, I mean he's a gunslinger too, sure. I guess. His mustache. His mustache. Um, oh, um, I also failed to mention that as soon as the ship was going down, Eva Green and the witches cheesed it because <laughs> they could fly. They can sure. fly. Good. Um, yeah. And just appear out of nowhere. I don't know if that works either. I didn't really understand her thing. So they they just abandon like they're still around. They're like they're with them now or something, or did they just say like no, bye? I think when the ship was going down, they cheesed it um, out of safety for themselves. Sure. That they trusted the polar bear to protect the kids, and mm-hmm. that um, Sam Elliott knew what he was doing. I'm saying that now because I kind of forgot about them on the latter half of my pitch. They don't come back. Sure. So That's bye, fine. bye, witches. So, so Eva Green told sam elliott about how important lyra was and a, the war to come about for free will and then just fucked off yep <laughs> all right so sam elliott is gonna die it has sustained a lot of injuries in the crash mm-hmm. and he is maybe piked on some rod or something i don't know but he has last words of course and yeah, his and last words where are, are they his last words are blah 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 eva green says you're a special you're destined to turn the tide and then he dies. It turns out the ship has crashed in this barren wasteland that is often off limits to the rest of the world. Uh, nobody knows what is really up there. Mm-hmm. After burying Sam Elliott, uh, they are overrun. They, I think they sense that they're being watched by something, but they don't know what it is. Um, mm-hmm. And it turns out to be people. It is actually this kind of like Arctic tribal group who corner them. Uh, and take them to the base. Um, they're quickly overrun. There's only a few of them left. I assume other people died in the crash too. Sure. I'm assuming at this point in the movie, after the crash, the only people that are alive are Lyra, her demon, maybe that other kid, and the polar bear. And Eva Green and her witches in the sky. <laughs> yeah. The, they never land or reappear in the movie though. Yeah. Okay. When they see them, uh, they come out and they like corner them. None of them have demons whatsoever, seemingly. They're taken back to their base or their tribe or their their town that they live in, uh, mm-hmm. which I imagine is probably some sort of like cave or something like that. Okay. And this is where the big old fan fiction info dump is going to happen in my pitch. Okay. So 
what is learned what is learned by one of their leaders whose name is mm-hmm. Matthew is that uh, his tribe has lived in the wilds for a few decades now mm-hmm. and that they were actually experiments uh, the original experiments that the government um, had done with separating kids from their demon and what actually happened in this um, experiment is instead of separating them it did the opposite it further bonded them with mm-hmm. their demons so they can now sort of conjure their dust into various objects it's much like how the demon thing works um with everybody else in the world where mm-hmm. um when you're a kid you can like do a lot of stuff but when you get older you kind of focus it onto one thing and that becomes your like construct that becomes mm-hmm. your permanent thing and so instead of animals it's objects sure most people in this tribe use it to make weapons swords beers and knives mm. <laughs> so the user has more control over the their construct and it seems like it's a closer it is a closer bond than the animal thing it's not another living thing it's a thing that the user controls and matthew himself um, has a spear that is his Mm -hmm. weapon and some in fantasy lore like some people like name their weapons you know like and his name is his uh, matthew's uh Mm -hmm. spear is named will like will the will to live the will and it is learned that he is actually the best hunter in this group and he has a very good bond with his weapon so to summarize matthew damon's name is will and it's good at hunting (sighs) i realized just a second too late that this was building <laughs> I fucking hate you so goddamn much. <laughs> Carry on. Okay. There better be more puns like this, though. Uh, that's probably my best one. Sorry. Spo- spoilers. <laughs> hey, I'm getting, I'm getting better. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting better. You at least understand how to do a pun now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, so. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I can't even look at you right now. <laughs> Knowing that they're not horrible government um, and like pe- part of the people that are a part of the government, uh, mm-hmm. Matthew decides to help Lyra and her friends save Daniel Craig. Okay. This one we cut back to Daniel Craig, who has been dusted and is in this confined room where he's having panic attacks and is sort of having a hard time dealing with being separated from the snow leopard. He's sort of going through this horrifying thing because it's this huge thing in your life that's always been a part of your life, and now it's just gone. It is literally a piece of them that's gone. I think in this room he has a soldier come in, I think maybe one of the top generals in the movie, uh, General Batter. General Batter. Because he's badder than the rest of them. Yeah. When he comes in, I think Daniel Craig looks very scared. And then the soldier comes up and stands him up. And he says, the the general has a demon with him. So mm-hmm. uh, it's probably like maybe like a snake or some sort of spider or um, some sort I of... I like that you're pronouncing it demon again now that you got to your joke. Yeah. Which yeah. required you to mispronounce the name. Yeah. Don't yeah. think I didn't notice. Oh, yeah. It's, it's demon from here on out. Demons are bust. Or dust. Or dust. In this room, they have this interaction where the general wants 
Daniel Craig to punch him or be mad uh-huh. and is basically trying to goad him into becoming violent and is giving him an order to do something that he may not necessarily want to do. So sure. uh, Daniel Craig refuses. He's leave me alone. You guys sucked my whole life up. But then the guy keeps keeps doing it and doing it and doing it until Daniel Craig eventually does become violent after countless orders. Without his d- demon, his hesitation is not there anymore. All his insecurities are gone, blah, blah, blah. It turns into a fight. I think Daniel Craig loses the fight, but he has unleashed this violent urge, which is what the general wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole Kidman comes in and says, where else are you going to go? You don't have your demon. You don't have Lyra. You don't have anything anymore. We won. Just join us. Be part of this circle here. Not knowing what to do or not knowing what even he could do next. He agrees to what she says, kind of surprisingly. Um, and it's kind of shows that he's sort mm-hmm. of indoctrinated. Um, that's what this whole scene is supposed to be about. Like um, He's following their orders sure. now that he doesn't have his demon. So Lyra and the team are traveling to make it to the facility where they're keeping Daniel Craig. I think during this travel scene, her and Matthew have this conversation where Matthew sees how bonded she is with her demon, Pant Lemon. He shares with her that he thinks that theoretically she could turn her demon into a object or an, an item if the, if the mm-hmm. demon really wanted it and is bonded with the soul enough. If the person and the soul have this shared connection that anything is possible with this dust 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 makes anything possible sure so they have that moment lyra and a team make it to the facility and i think they uh, spy on what's going on there and they kind of notice that all the soldiers and everything everyone that's not a top person doesn't have a demon but all the generals nicole kidman everyone else does mm. Which makes Matthew say that he thinks that what's happening is that when people lose their demons, they are not apt just to follow orders like willy-nilly. They're more apt to follow orders of people that have demons still. Uh, because their soul yearns for that connection, that dust connection. So these figureheads in the world or these people who are in charge of the military and everything and Nicole Kidman, they all still have their demons. So that is what is actually making that indoctrination possible is uh, the other, the soldiers yearn to have dust again. So they'll listen to anyone who has dust. So, Hmm. yeah. Um, So then a battle happens. I think they infiltrate the facility trying to rescue Daniel Craig. Mm Mm-hmm. So this big battle happens where Matthew and Ian McKellen Bear team up and Matthew is like on the back of Ian McKellen Bear, like lopping off shots with a bow or like, no, with his spear, actually. It's kind of like he's charging in the battle with Will, his goodwill, and is like piking people as they go by. I think Ian McKellen Bear like bites someone's ass off at some point. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Culminates to a point where Nicole Kidman has Lyra 
by the throat. Mm-hmm. I think like Lyra confronts her. Oh damn! And Nicole Kidman sees like Lyra is trying to destroy everything that she's created, but she's still her daughter, so she doesn't want to kill her. She can't do it, so she orders Daniel Craig to do it. During this time, Pant Lemon, mm-hmm. the Lyra's demon who I think is a snake or a worm around her neck, slithers down her sleeve. It's a long yeah. worm. Uh, slithers down her sleeve. And while Daniel Craig is coming towards her to kill her, Pant Lemon turns into a very slippery, but effective, subtle knife. And... Everybody drink. He said the title of the movie. And Lyra grabs it and just starts stabbing uh jesus. nicole kid not jesus i'm not suggesting she just starts stabbing yeah, jesus uh, spoilers that's kind of more in line with the books so lyra takes the knife uh that, that is now in her hand that she realizes and mm-hmm. starts stabbing nicole kidman in the leg uh it makes nicole kidman like wreathe and at back in pain oh, okay and this is after she stabbed her a bunch yeah all right okay she doesn't like stab in the chest. It's more like to disarm her or to wound her. Yeah, yeah, yeah you understand. Yeah, cut her arm off. I get yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> um, and during this time when she's breathing, they put a golden beetle duster mm-hmm. on the back of Nicole Kidman's neck, which releases her demon. I imagine like all the other generals are either dead or have gotten dusted as well at this point in this big battle sequence. And Lyra, the only one with the demon left, can tell everybody to stop Mm -hmm. fighting, stop attacking. We're going to gather the demons and leave uh, because they've been storing them. You know, they're not killing them. Mm -hmm. The the now severed demon, like the the wild animals, basically, at this point. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're going to take them and transport them, and we're going to try to find a way to reconnect everybody with their demons again. And that's kind of where, like, I leave this off because I, sure. I, I imagine, mm-hmm. like, that's an ending is okay, that's the next adventure. Yeah. That's the you have to leave moment. enough room for the third movie, The Amber Spyglass. The Amber Spyglass. So, <laughs> yeah, that's my pitch. What do you think? Um, I like it. I think it was very thorough. At points, at other points, it was I'm like, George. I'm as good as Thoreau. Wow, that, thanks, Mike. I mean, it's just a, it's just a golden compass, compass fan fiction, man. Um, wow, big praise. Um, yeah. Looks like when I challenge you, you have a lot to live up against. Yeah, sure do. Well, like, do you have any questions? No, but you did ruin a really good joke I was setting up. I'm sorry. That's all right. Yeah, I definitely liked it. I think that there were a few places where you kind of blah, blah, blah your way through that maybe needed a little bit more, but... It was mostly conversations, I think. It's just like, I don't know, like... the jo- No, I know, I, I know. You I... know, there's a lot of, like, this whole movie, at least the first movie, was such a, like, a every scene seemed like an info dump, you know? Yeah. And I, uh, it, but I can't really remember any unique conversations at the same no, time, you're right. you know? I, uh, I don't know. I liked it. I, there's, I feel like I, there's something in, in my brain that I want to like say, but I don't, I can't put my finger on it. Like it's a vague, yeah, actually I do have one thing, but I can't, I couldn't tell you for the life of me what that one thing is. So yeah, it must not be important. Do you want to talk about something in my pitch for this concept section? <laughs> Um, I'm not sure. 
let me let me run it back through just like your pitch in general, which is okay. I, I guess what's like the time difference between the end of the Golden Compass and the beginning of this movie? I think it happens within the same year. Okay, then then that's fine. My my thing was going to be if it was like immediate or not because. They went, if it was immediate, it would seem like they went from like this very crude machine to suddenly having basically perfected the machine. Yeah. Very quickly. Um, does the compass, the alethia meter, ever like does it not, not even like hugely, but does it come like do you explain it or is it just kind of neatly forgotten? Um, I neatly forgot it because I had to okay. somehow come up with the knife thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I didn't I, even mean like does it factor in like why doesn't it factor in heavily? I mean like. Is it still kind of around? Is it just neatly forgotten in the in the plot? Like, I mean, they can use it for kind of like the exposition of like, well, we have to get back on the plot. So, oh, here, let's use the plot pointer and yeah, get to it. Um, I think during the scene with Matthew and his uh, with his snow tribe and everything, I think maybe that's a part where it could do something. I don't know what. Sure. I didn't really understand exactly how the thing worked in the first movie either. So it, it tells people the truth. Um, I think it's you ask it questions via using three pictograms. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you, you just to, kind of know the true answer to that question. That you have to decipher what the pictures mean. Yeah. No, I honestly, I don't, I can't think of much. I think that was very, a, a very, uh, thorough, thorough job. I mean, it real it made me realize like when I was writing this about how much of our podcast is just us making up fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, this, this podcast is a fan fiction podcast and I didn't think of it until this one though. Because there's all this fantasy stuff, you know, yeah. and it seems like fan fiction. And what I did is I basically pulled out the parts that I liked or, let's face it, remembered from the sure. first one. Oh, yeah. And, Wait, you didn't and, remember the whole movie? No. You, there were parts of this in your pitch where you just plumb forgot. I, I couldn't tell. Yeah. yeah. But I, I just basically took the things that I remembered or that I kind of liked and I just mm-hmm. elevated it in this pitch, which is exactly what face, uh, fan fiction is. <laughs> it's just taking out the things that you liked about that thing and then just making it the focus. So I really like the idea of like what the separating people from their demons did. Because yeah. it didn't kill you. It made you this person that like... I think the, the implication, I think, is that they're supposed to be, I think that by and large, mo- it mostly does kill you. And that's the problem is that they were trying to perfect it. So it didn't. Yeah. But, but I take your meaning of what it, the weird half people. Yeah. Cause it's, they don't have souls anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the thing or their soul is split. All right. Watching the first movie. I, when I challenged you to this movie uh, in the now deleted into the woods Two with uh, Jackson, you said, I know Daniel Craig's in that movie, so I'll probably just do James Bond in the snow. And I got really mad about that. I was like, no, you're like, do it seriously, whatever. And then I rewatched this movie, and most of his parts are basically fant- like James Bond-esque kind of stuff. And that's like, I texted you back like later. I was like, listen, as long as like Lyra's in it, and like you kind of handle the other people, yeah, fucking do James Bond in the snow in this ridiculous world. And like, yeah, I. I was really trying to 
and it sounds horrible, but I really didn't know what to do with the polar bear yeah. <laughs> at all. Because his story kind of came to pass in the first movie. What happened? Yeah. Is he? We can get into like what actually happened in sure. uh, at some point, but at least tell me, is he in the other books? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't think so, actually. At least not in the second one. Okay. Yeah. And to dear listeners, I I hope you don't take anything that I said in this like as me making fun of the Golden Compass series or uh, his dark materials. I just I think the movie is generally not well regarded yeah. among fans of the Golden Compass and or of his dark materials. The Golden Compass, like the books, I guess I started reading it. The books are like ponderous and academic stuff like the stuff at jordan college at the beginning where lyra is at school is like they talk a lot about scholars they talk a lot about like um, explorers talk a lot about like it's very dense in wording and that's one reason why as you said most of the conversations seem to just be exposition is because they have to cram so much in somehow yeah and when you have two hours to get through this entire first book instead of, you know, 363 pages, that's just, yeah, it's, it's more difficult, but, um, so it's like lore, 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 lore. Yeah. And so the movie is like, I, I, I'm sure people like it and that's fine. I know that like among like the people who are very passionate about his dark materials, it's whatever. Yeah. Now I do have the plot of the subtle knife pulled up on Wikipedia and I can read to you from, that to get your gauge your reaction based against your pitch given give it a percentage about how close that i got approximately yeah zero percent approximately zero percent i mean yes there wasn't even a beetle let me let me me put it this way nicole kidman didn't even get stabbed in that one uh lord asriel pant leg and actually Maybe not even that. I think definitely Lyra, definitely Pant Leg, Pant Lemon. Sorry, Pant Lemon. Pant Lemon uh, are in the second movie. So let's let's assume that you have to match a hundred different things. You're two percent. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll uh, actually three, because you well four. There's Mrs. Coulter. I mean, she had to come back up, right? Five, because you mentioned Sam Elliott. So you're at five percent. Okay. Is Eva Green in it? She is. What's her actual name? Serafina Pecola. I mean, I mean, Eva Green's actual name is Eva Green, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Sarah Pecola. Sure, Serafina Pecola, but Sarah Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z. There you go. So, the one thing to start with is the ending of the movie, The Golden Compass, isn't actually the end of the book. Okay. So at the end, instead of just leaving them like, well, we'll, we'll go find him now, sailing off into the sunset, Lyra, Yorick, uh, Ian McKellen Bear, and Roger, the friend, travel to Svalbard, the city where Lord Azrael has continued his dust research in exile. Uh, one thing to mention real quick, the books, instead of just like government, it's like the church. The church is like the government in this. Like, it's very religious, yeah. in, which I think you'll find probably makes a few things, a few things make a few little bit more sense in, in the movie <laughs> that it was supposed to be religion. Yeah. Um, uh, so where Azrael has continued his dust research in exile, 
He tells Lyra all he knows of dust, that it has spawned parallel universes. It is somehow connected to the death and misery, and that the church believes it is the physical basis of sin. He plans to visit the other universes and destroy the source of dust. Suddenly, he severs Roger from his demon, killing Roger, releasing an enormous amount of energy and tearing a hole in the northern lights to a parallel universe through which he walks. Lyra, devastated, decides that dust may be a force of good rather than evil, vowing to stop Azrael. She and Pantlemon pass through the opening into the sky. What? That's how the book ends. Yeah. So James Bond kills Roger. Yeah. And that's Roger's the kid, right? Yeah, the friend that Lyra spent the whole movie trying to save. Yeah. Why? To, he needed that dust to get to rip open the hole to go to other worlds. Why? Why? Why him? Why not Lyra? Because it was his daughter. Yeah, probably. Okay. I mean, I'm just reading from the Wikipedia page. Man, can you imagine if the if this actually did get a sequel and the Golden Compass was successful? The first scene in the next movie is just they would have done it that way. They would have found some other way. No, the first scene is just Daniel Craig off in a kid. All right, Madison. Well, I think we're gonna have to draw another episode of the Equalizers to a close. Uh, your pitch had it all this week: James Bond, not knowing any of the character names, polar bears. Polar bears, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. I mean. Blah, blah, blahs are there. Blah, blah, blahs yeah. turned up. Yeah, in force. Blah, blah, blah for what? Um, <laughs> unless you have uh, anything else on the docket, we'll wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. With that, I think we're going to have to draw another episode of The Equalizers to a close. Uh, Madison, what have you got for the people? For the people, I have some exciting news at least for us um we are on itunes now um we are also on google play um we're still on podbean too um so you can search for us um and you will probably on those platforms and you will probably find us remember to search the equalizers and that's e q u e l i z e r s uh as in sequel or prequel and you'll find us there. You can also uh, get at us at Twitter, at The Equalizers, Facebook, The Equalizers, uh, Gmail. You can email us at equalizers at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram at the underscore equalizers. Uh, we'll be trying to post every week a, a uh, mysterious image with a clue to next week's episode. Um, by now, you will have seen hopefully three or four um yeah. and maybe some of you guessed the golden compass too the subtle knife maybe um, who knows shout out to the motorcycle that just went straight through like madison's audio you were talking so i can't cut it out yeah it's fine i don't think i was saying anything good uh equalizers.podbean.com of course you can always find us there as well thanks on our new theme song rock thing go to creo c-r-e-o you can find their work at www.creo-music.com that's the business done so for the equalizers i'm madison jones i'm mike noel oh miss lyra get on the ship with the polar oh, bear god. oh god <laughs> to be continued <laughs>